For this evening's worship service, we have brother, elder brother John Zoik being assisted by brother Bob Friend. See how people make assumptions. I just figured everybody knew us by now. And it's not important that you know who I am anyway. What's really important is that we know who the Lord Jesus is, because he is going to be the one who's going to speak to me tonight, and hopefully to at least one other person. Let's pray that that happens. May all eyes be cast upon thee, O Lord. May each one right now visualize thee reaching out both to the lost and to the body of Christ. Speak to us out of thy word, and may the meditation of the lips of this servant be a blessing to him because you know how much he needs it and to at least one other person. And we will be thankful. Amen. I was one of the participants in the developing of the lessons and was excited as the lessons unfolded in their development because I knew that I needed revival. And it was my hope when I saw that my name was listed to have the sermon for Friday night that by the time I got here, I could be able to tell you that I had been revived. I need to tell you that I've been taken back out into the desert. I'm still in the desert. And even though the revival has begun, the Lord wants to speak to me some more about my life. And he's shown me the scriptures in Philippians chapter 3 and also the first 13 verses of chapter 4. Now that may be perhaps more reading than what we would normally do, but as I was reading the scripture, the, the thoughts just came to me that one builds upon the other, and if you want to look ahead at the last verse 13, where it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, that's the only reason why I feel as though I can stand here this evening and trust that the Lord will speak not only to me, but to at least one other person. Let's read together. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers because of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of, the ben of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ." 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or complete, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if, any, if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereof, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received, and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. 
I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse 15 says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. In order for something to happen to me, I have to have my mind into it. The Proverbs say, for as, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And in considering that idea, what I would like the Lord to do for me tonight is to help me to visualize, visualize what my life will be like when I get home. I work with student teachers. I've been in education for over 40 years. And one of the beauties that I see of the scriptures, and especially the teachings of Jesus, is that he was indeed a master teacher. He knew all the methods. Every time I'm, I'm told about a, a new method or a new idea, I can find evidence of it already in practice of not only what Jesus said, but how he did it. And one of the key ideas nowadays is to visualize, to help students to visualize something. Because when we would put something in our mind and have a picture of what it's going to be like, it helps us to open the mind to new ideas that might be connected. And the idea that the Lord wants to give to me is to visualize what my life will be like when I get home so that it's in my mind and then into my heart and then that he might be able to place it into action. I was talking to Brother Sam tonight who uh, will works in, in with, with fabrics and working with furniture. And I said, Brother Sam, when you're going to end up putting a couch together, don't you have in your mind what it's going to look like before you put it together? And he says, of course. He says, I even know where the stitching is going to go, and the customer may not have any idea. But how good it is that if a person is going to be working on something like that, that he has a clear picture in his mind before he would even go about to put it together. God wants us, wants me, to have a clear picture in my mind of how I can apply what I have learned and what I am going through, even now, as he would want to work this change in my life and to revitalize it so that I could be used not only as a tool to his glory, but for my own personal peace with him and for my own joy in the Lord when he says over and over again, rejoice in the Lord. And Satan comes along and says, how can you when you're beleaguered with responsibilities and with troubles and, and with frustrations, when, when things are not going as you would hope to go, not only for your own life, but, but for your role as, as a leader in the church? 
then I have to go to that last verse we read together. And Jesus says to me, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. What he's really saying is, you, John, can do all things that I ask of you, that I expect of you, if you do it through me. Some of you are not converted yet, and you may say, well, how does this message apply to me if, if I'm going to be talking about myself and, and, and ask the Lord to see how my life will be when I get home? It is my expectation that the seed of the word that has been planted into your heart who is, is unconverted, that you will want your life to be one that would grow in Christ. And so that when you get home, you will apply and you will tailor what's going to be said tonight to fit your personal situation. I want you as well to visualize what will take place when you think about, first of all, your own personal life and your personal relationship with Christ. I'm pausing because I want the Lord to be able to say the word, and it hasn't come to me yet. I'm trying to visualize right now how he wants my life to be when I get home personally and in my personal relationship with him. And the first thing that, that comes to my mind now is that... He wants me to approach his word when I would read it with more of a thirst and hunger and, and a deeper sense of, of what he is personally speaking to me. Four young men in our church gave me a challenge at the end of December they said that they would like to read the Bible through from cover to cover, ranging in age 8 to 12 or so. Um, I've read it before, cover to cover, but haven't for some time, only really being selective. And I have found in the past that, that it's good uh, to make sure that things that I may have left out be touched upon again because in a lot of the Old Testament readings, which I would normally perhaps neglect. There are, as the scriptures say, nuggets of gold. Boom. New ideas come through. New thoughts come through that personally apply to me. And so we've, we've read together, meeting on Wednesday nights, and they ask questions. I ask them to write their questions down as they read. And in the beginning, most of the questions had to do with definitions or meanings of words. And now I'm seeing a, a wonderful shift into questions about understanding the ideas and thoughts, not just the words and the application of it. And then when we run, they run out of questions, I have some prepared for them. Sometimes we share with each other how we've gotten behind a little. And, and we found this to be sort of an accountability thing where we stimulate each other. They are not only accountable to me, I am accountable to them to keep up with them. And it's good. But 
as I am now thinking and visualizing what my reading was like and what the Lord would like me to have it to become, is that it be that I read with more thirst, not just to cover the chapters that are listed in our schedule. And not just so that I'm ready so that when they would ask me questions, I can define words for them, but that it would become more personal, personalized. So I'm saying, Lord, grant me, through Christ Jesus, the ability to come to the Word with more of a thirst and a hungering for it, so that when I would read it, it might stir within me the understandings that I need to have about life, about myself, about my walk, and where I need to repent, where I've failed. Rightly so, we emphasize repentance and faith as the two essential ingredients, faith in the Christ's blood, as the two essential ingredients to the conversion experience. But while there is a, a different level of that understanding once we are converted, truly, repentance is something that John Zoig needs. And faith in the one who, is, who has shed his blood for me and who is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding even for me. I'm visualizing myself being submissive. What's coming to my mind now is when the Lord shows me something that, that I need to do, Maybe to have a, a, a situation where I'm going to perhaps have potential conflict with somebody, maybe an uncomfortable feeling, because by nature, I, I like to avoid conflict. Um, I, I don't like conflict. Um, I, I don't like conflict. I will go miles around situations where, where conflict might take place. But I'm visualizing right now in my mind's eye of my willingly submitting to the Lord's leading and not running. And depending upon him to be able to resolve and to work through any potential conflict so that his name would be glorified. Lord, grant me that grace. I'm visualizing a change in attitude. A change in attitude of when I feel the need to complain. Lord, set it aside. Forgive me. So that when I get home, I can be focused upon a positive working together with those with whom I may have differences. Give me an attitude of love towards them as co-members of the body of Christ. And Lord, I'll thank you for it. 
even now ahead of time. I'm visualizing a, a situation where I need to end up working something through. And, and I'm seeing the Lord giving me the willingness to do so. And I see his hand in it. Not that it'll be easy, but that it will come out right. Because Christ will be in it. I'm visualizing a change in my thought life. If the scripture says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Lord, take away impure thoughts out of my mind. I'm visualizing that taking place. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Indeed, we are members of the body of Christ. But in addition to that, we are also members of our families. Our nuclear families and our extended families. I'm visualizing my working closer with my nuclear family, with my daughters, and daughter-in-law, with my son and son-in-laws. Lord knows how I love them. He also knows how I fail them. And so I'm visualizing a working together in harmony so that we can be more effective tools in the vineyard in spreading the gospel in edifying the body of Christ the church. I'm visualizing reaching out to part of my extended family, relationship-wise. I can tell you a little story in relation to that, how the Lord has popped this into my mind. In the Zoig family, there were three boys and four girls who lived. There were some more children that died at childbirth and even probably even before that. All of them who lived were converted except my oldest uncle, Uncle Rudy. The last time I saw Uncle Rudy was in 1956 when he laid in a coffin, died of a heart attack prematurely, the world would say. And to the best of my knowledge, my first cousins, his children were there, but I don't remember them at all. And until two months ago, didn't have contact with either one of them. And in the process of helping my 93 and 94-year-old aunts move from the house where they had lived since 1928 to an apartment that's closer to church where they don't have any steps, they needed to get rid of a lot of stuff. And Part of the stuff that they gave us were some old pictures. And here was a picture of my first cousin, Wallace, whom I don't remember at all. He was in a Navy uniform, World War II. And 
the Lord laid it on my heart that in some way I should try to contact him and my other cousin Judy, perhaps in time, but Wallace came to my mind. How do you contact somebody that you may have seen at his father's funeral in 1956? And then it hit me. Some years ago, we had bid on an advertisement that said, we will provide you the addresses of and telephone numbers, if they have them, of your relatives of the Zoig family. I paid something like $35 for this book, and I said, yeah, we'll see. And sure enough, not only was my name there, but my cousins, whom I do know, my one cousin, whom I do know, who lives in Upper Montclair, my aunts, who lived in North Bergen at the time, and here I see Wallace in Florida, Fort Lauderdale. I have an address. Haven't used it now for a number of years, and I'm wondering if perhaps he moved, or is this thing really true? So I wrote a letter. I said, Dear Wallace, I may be your first cousin. And described a little bit of who I was and what the relationship was and where I thought we may have met at the last time. And this 80-year-old man wrote back a long letter saying, I am he, and I can't wait to be able to meet you. And we've written again since, and Lord willing, when I go to visit the church in Coconut Creek in August, I would hope to see Wallace, not just to visit him and say, okay, I'm glad to meet you as a cousin, but I'm visualizing now our meeting. I want to visualize the meeting that the Lord would give me the grace to somehow let him know, this 80-year-old man who is now a great-grandfather, who Christ is, because I doubt from what he had written that he knows who Jesus is. Can you imagine my first cousin never attended our church? But the Lord has given a vision a visualization now of our meeting together, and I can't wait till it happens, because he will be in it. I want to be able to think now also of my church family. Who are you? Some of you are here. Some are other places. And I want to visualize my becoming more of a servant attitude to you. I want to be a servant to you. I'm not good at making telephone calls, but the John Pamer is here tonight. I'm sure he's thinking it's been a long time since I've made a call to him. I serve his church in Upper Marlboro. But the Jimmy's here from Richmond. I serve the church in Richmond. He initiates almost all the telephone calls. So what I'm visualizing right now, brothers, you can hold me to account to it. I'm going to be initiating at least half the calls that we make with God's help. And if I fail in that, would you remind me of that? Would you be my brother's keeper in that? But I visualize my remembering and perhaps putting down on the calendar, time to call Brother Jimmy, time to call Brother John. Let's keep in contact and share the struggles 
of two small churches, one really small, that needs some help. I'm visualizing my prayer life regarding the mission efforts of our extended effort as members of the body of Christ. I think it's no secret that I have some reservations about the um, direction spiritually that, that some of the missions have gone. And I'm visualizing now my taking a more active role in trying to do something about it instead of just perhaps saying they've gone the wrong way or I'm not pleased with the direction that might seem to be taken. And maybe I can't do much, but Lord, I pray to you that you would show me how I could at least make the effort that should things go in a way that would be even worse, that I would not be held to account that I didn't try. Better than that, maybe the little bit that's said from someone who cares, whom they know who cares, might make the difference. Lord, give me that grace. I'm visualizing now reaching out to my immediate neighborhood. Our neighborhood is weird right now. We have houses that are perfectly good being torn down and new ones being built, bigger ones. Those folks must be rich. They wouldn't be interested in hearing about the gospel, would they? Satan would tell me. Lord, I'm visualizing my being able to reach out to the neighbors who are building houses in my area that are way bigger than what they need. Lord, give me the ability to be able to say something to them that they might realize that no matter how big a house they build and how much they pour into it, it's all going to burn. And that there is a replacement place that's far better being prepared by the Lord right now. Our neighborhood is, is the one where, where people like their privacy. They like to be left alone. It's a bedroom community. They live, they work in New York or some other place and, and, and they like to isolate themselves from the rest of the world except for their selected friends. Lord, give me the vision as to how I can reach some of those folks who are not rich at all, but who are desperately poor because they got their values screwed up. And even as the, the writer of the Acts records the words of Jesus as to how initially when the Holy Ghost would come, they should spread the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Lord, give me a vision 
as to how beyond my immediate neighborhood, perhaps the neighborhood of the church, perhaps using an idea such as is happening right now in Beverly Hills where they've, they've touched base with a trailer camp. And as they go to those folks, they ask them the simple question, how can we pray for you? <laughs> if I asked my neighbors that, they'd say, I have everything. I don't need anything. You don't need to pray for me. I've got to find a different way. Lord, you have to give me those words. But certainly there are those who are in need and who recognize those needs, at least the fact that they are in want, not only around our immediate churches, but wherever we might have contact, perhaps at work, perhaps at school. I want to encourage those of you who are yet in school to make contact, visualize yourself now if you would, make contact with someone whom you know well prior to school starting at the end of August, the beginning of September, wherever, however it might be. Contact them before school starts. Let them know what the Lord has planted in your heart. If he's making a change that you are becoming a child of God, let them know that. It'll make it a lot easier when you get back into the classroom and into the routines of school that you have already set yourself up as being accountable. I am different than when you last saw me. Oh, the Lord's speaking that to me right now. I'm going to be getting a, a, a new set of student teachers in the fall. I am, people laugh when I say I'm retired. I'm working for two universities and also with a consulting company. Two universities we're working with, with, with student teachers. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun, but it's been also opportunity. I've had chances to be able to pray with and for some of my teachers. And while there has not been much opportunity to share a lot of the specifics of the gospel, they know that I care and will pray for them and not forget them. Lord, give me the vision of being able to reach my student teachers when I get home in the fall, that early on they might know that there is one who is driving my life who is named Jesus and who has given me the assurance that as I cower in my natural image of myself, as I am afraid in the natural understanding of myself, that I will put that all aside and claim this promise I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I think I've caught a glimpse of what the Lord laid on Brother John's heart in our class, at least, which was half the time the teacher should have had. We were trying to plot or lay a plan for how we're going to put this revival into something very practical that works, that we can measure. And I've got a better idea after tonight's sermon how that might work. 
in my life. And when Brother John and I were preparing to come to this pulpit, I said two things to him. I said, Brother John, that program is an inspiration that ought to be a spark plug for whatever you want to do. But because I know some of his burdens, I said, please remember the apostles said, faithful is he who hath called you, who also will do it. And in thinking about everything from those two comments to this moment, I thought of him 26. I think we ought to stand to not only stretch, but lift our voices higher and sing all three stanzas. There's something in it for everyone here, regardless of your relationship with Christ. <laughs> 